Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And we have breaking news from Israel. Tragically, we're learning from the State Department, 22 Americans have now been killed in the Israeli-Gaza conflict so far. Uh, Just yesterday, it was only 14, only. Uh, But there were still so many people missing. Andrea Mitchell, an absolutely awful person. Oh, we're going to get into Andrea Mitchell a little bit from now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669. Got Tony. That is the number. Yes, that has been updated to 22 Americans killed. And so we're clear, Andrea Mitchell, you disgusting person. You're disgusting. It's not a conflict. It isn't the Israel-Gaza conflict. It was a terrorist attack that murdered a thousand people because they're Jews and happened to get some other people in the fray, Americans and others. So it's not a conflict. It was a barbaric terrorist attack. You sympathizing freak. Isn't MSNBC ashamed and embarrassed already? You want to talk about somebody too old to do the job and never met a despot she didn't like. Good Lord. That's just one of the stories. The other story is that the Republicans in closed-door session seem to have fallen in line around Steve Scalise. The congressman from Louisiana, who of course was the victim of that shooting when a Democrat decided to kill Republicans... Is that what? Is that not how we describe it? Because I'm pretty sure that's how we have to describe it. You want to talk about an insurrection? Who? He is going to get the nod? Republicans are going to show unity and in one vote get this done? You don't think that this war has some level of effect? You ain't thinking. There's also a whole conversation that exists regarding making sure they don't look the fool to Americans. Not looking the fool anymore, I think, is a pretty good idea. But I have no belief as of yet, no belief as of yet, that somehow and in some way this is going to go smooth. I don't trust Matt Gaetz. I don't trust Nancy Mace. I don't trust Ken Buck. I don't trust Bob Good out of Virginia. Uh, Ken Buck is out of Colorado. Mace is is out of South Carolina. Um, Anything can happen. Deals get made, baby. Deals get made. If it's Scalise, where's the differentiation from how the populace is going to view it in regards to McCarthy? I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer on that, but we'll wait to see. I want to check C-SPAN and see if there was a moment where it's on the calendar. It is not. It is not yet on the calendar. But what we do have, what we're supposed to have is uh, the White House briefing, and I don't even see that happening. 
Oh, that's been moved to one thirty. Ah, I see. They're 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 delaying, <laughs> which is which is pretty standard. When we talk about moves made that are regrettable, I don't know if the Republican Party regrets moving Kevin McCarthy out as Speaker. I don't know. I don't think anything was gained. I don't think the Republican Party is better. I don't think spending stopped. I, I just. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. But let me now ask a question of of the same type in a different direction. How many lives are better because of Black Lives Matter? I mean, aside from Patrice Cullors and her family, you know, the organizer who took in the millions and millions and millions of dollars that companies gave her so they wouldn't be attacked, you know, the payoff. Who didn't understand from the beginning, from the very beginning, that Black Lives Matter was nothing more than a shakedown? You go back to Jesse Jackson, you follow that up with Al Sharpton, and then Black Lives Matter and Patrice Cullors. The organization Black Lives Matter was a shakedown from the word go. It was a grift from the word go. And they made no one's life better. You knew this because they were Marxists. Marxists don't make life better. Marxists try to clear the way for communism. This is what they do. That is the purpose of Marxism. The word manipulation, the personal attacks, everything Solinsky wrote about right there. Everybody who was rational knew it was a grift. Like us, who are part of this show day in and day out. And I discussed that I would not support Black Lives Matter, the organization. People yelled at me. Why can't you support them? Why won't you support them? You won't, if you won't support them, you're admitting your bigotry. I'm not supporting Marxists. Go to hell. Go to hell. You're crazy. And then, of course, we learned the levels of the grift. We learned that it was indeed Black Lives Matter taking the money and spending it on themselves, on homes and on vacations and paying this brother for security and and this sister for this and family members. That's who they were paying, brother and sister, family members, paying everybody off. Nobody was getting anything. The vast majority of the money stayed with with Black Lives Matter. Then, of course, you heard things like this from Patrice Cullors going back. I don't know how many years this goes back. Oh, 2015. So this is before she was really, really making the money from it. She was just starting it. This all coming out, I think it was this after Ferguson, I believe. Listen. The other thing I'll say is Palestine is our generation South Africa. And if, <laughs> if, if we don't step up uh, boldly and courageously to end the, the imperialist project that's called Israel, um, we're doomed. And I think that uh, I had learned about Palestine for a long time. I had known about it, been wanting to travel, and I was really, really grateful when the Dream Defenders um, asked me to come on the delegation. 
but nothing would have prepared me for the level of milit- militarization and the, uh, and the level of violence that we would witness those 10 days inside of Palestine. Um, nothing would have prepared me for uh, the ways in which um, we witness people's terror, uh, people live in terror on a daily basis. And um, nothing would have prepared me for how much clarity I would have on, on why we have to be a part of um, uh, Palestinian solidarity. The imperialist project called Israel. Well, she let you know right there what she was about. The terror that you saw, yeah, um, uh, Hamas is a terrorist organization, so it's no wonder that's what you saw. Oh, oh, you meant Israel. Well, Israel pulled out of Gaza in 2005, and this was 2015. So what the hell are you talking about? That Israel wouldn't just lay down and take the abuse from Hamas and the killings from Hamas, and they actually wanted to protect and defend themselves? Is that the issue? Or is it the issue that the Palestinians are actually ethnic Jordanians and have no claim to the land whatsoever? Is it the issue that there is no Palestine anymore? What nation of Palestine are you even referring to? The biblical? Well, the biblical would also let you know that it's Israel. And it would let you know that it has existed. And it now is Israel and it is to remain. I make no bones, kids. I am a Zionist. I believe in Israel's right to exist. And I believe in Israel's right to defend itself. I lose fans. I lose friends. I lose sponsors. I will sleep fine. But I won't lie to you, not for a second. Patrice Cullors then was letting you know what kind of person she was and what kind of person that is, is a liar and a fraud. This is the person you wanted me to respect regarding Black Lives Matter? Are you insane? Which now leads to the question, do you feel dumb yet? All those companies, I remember uh, in in Indianapolis, um, before I I worked from home, uh, I worked at, uh, the the, the offices were downtown. Uh, Nice offices, nice building on something called Monument Circle, which is kind of like the center of of, of Indianapolis. Indy is um, built uh, the same, oh, I forget his name, the same architect, same designer who did D.C., so there's there's a lot of grid and then there's there's circles and there's spokes that come out and and there are more monuments in Indianapolis than any other city in the country outside of DC. It's it's very very cool. Uh and and the circle's great, the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, you can actually walk up to the top of it. it it's it's fantastic. It it really is. Um and uh, in, in this building that, that, that I worked in, um, there was a magazine called Indianapolis Monthly, made up of the most woke people you ever came across in your life. And one of them, I think he was the editor, in, in his window, so it would face this monument circle, so face all the traffic and everything else, big sign, Black Lives Matter. I wonder if that guy feels dumb now knowing that when he looks at the horror in Israel, and I don't know if he says to himself, my God, Hamas is a bunch of terrorists, that you were supporting the people who were cheering Hamas. Black Lives Matter in Chicago. They love what happened. They're on the side of of, of, uh, Hamas killing these Israelis. 
the Democratic Socialists of America, also known as the Jew-hating bigots, they now want to issue an apology. The New York City uh, Democratic Socialists of America believes in peace, equality, and freedom. For all Palestinians and Israelis, we deeply mourn the loss of life in the region and unequivocally condemn all hatred and the killing of all civilians. No, that's that's not uh, true. You refer to it as the far-right Netanyahu government. Uh, You call it genocidal rhetoric. You call it the dehumanization of the Palestinian people. You do not mention Hamas. You do not mention the murder of a thousand. All you talk about is the 75-year Nakba. Nakba is the word for catastrophe. That's how they refer to the existence of Israel, a catastrophe. The democratic socialists are all communists and they all hate Israel and they all hate the Jews. And Black Lives Matter is a part of that. And how many Jews, whether it be in my beloved Indiana or in your state, wrote them a check because they were doing the right thing and standing up to the bigotry? You suckers. You knew you were getting grifted. You knew it was a scam. Of course you knew it. Every rational person knew it. The cat's stealing you. The officer's shucking you, I told him. You got the right ta-ta, but the wrong ho-ho. And you did it anyway. And when you saw all of the dead, you then saw Black Lives Matter in Chicago posting images of somebody uh, with, a, with a parachute, like, you know, how they paraglided into that uh, concert and killed 260? And you're like, we're, we're with them. And you watch the cheering of the Democratic Socialists. And you watch the cheering on college campuses like the University of Wisconsin-Madison. One of the few schools I will not let my children apply to as they become of college age. No, no, no. Oh, God. University of Madison? University of Wisconsin-Madison? Nope. Berkeley? Nope. Columbia? Hell no. Who sends their kid to Columbia? They cheered the death of Jews. How do you feel? Look what you did. Now, understand what that means. You did not kill anybody when you gave your money to Black Lives Matter. What you did is supported those people who were moving the message that you did not know that they were moving because you would not look. The message was not about creating a, a country that understood a racial history and moved forward. It wasn't about righting wrongs. It wasn't about equality. And equity was always about attacking the other guy and destroying them. You supported the most bigoted people in America who will cheer the decapitation of babies. So maybe I should ask the question differently. Maybe I am best when I'm not attacking people. Like, don't you feel dumb? Wrong question. That's a question that's going to alienate. And I need these people to recognize. So let me ask it differently. What will you do differently now? What is your plan now? What is your approach now? Maybe it's to recognize where Black Lives Matter has been able to infiltrate in programming and 
camps and schools and putting an end to that. Because they're not teaching values that you really want your kids to know. And maybe you should recognize that it was never about being black. It was about being progressive, about being a democratic socialist, nay, a communist. That's what it was about. It was never about color of skin. It was never about race. It was never about making things better. It was about leading and building on division. So how about we start with taking the sticker off your car and make sure there are no automatic donations going anywhere and um, maybe attending another school board meeting or the first school board meeting and saying, yeah, there are some things here we can't allow anymore. Maybe it's about sitting down with your kids and saying, I was wrong and here's what this group is all about. So now you know so you won't get tricked like I was. Gosh, I hope that's what happens. I'm Tony Katz. The markets are down 91. The NASDAQ is up 9. Uh, Dr. Matt Will scheduled to join us in the next hour as we look at that producer price index. And also as we look at the idea of sanctions, do we understand what it is? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on? Guys, I'm sorry the news cycle is such an unbelievable bastard. I really, I don't know how else to say it. I feel awful. But I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing my best with it. I want to make sure I bring it honestly. I want to make sure I bring it clearly. We always are having the conversations that other people haven't thought of yet. And I want to make sure that that we're doing the same but i i get it who oh it is rough and this economy is not making it easier the producer price index up 0.5% this is what it's costing manufacturers to make the goods which means it's going to come to us on the consumer price side It's going to come to us. So we're going to get into that. And this, you know, when we talk about sanctions, what in the world does it mean? What does it mean? How do they work? How do they get affected? And is there a methodology that we should be using in sanctions? We talk about it. And of course, sanctions comes up in in the conversation regarding Iran and their funding of terrorism because they are terrorists themselves, the Ayatollah and the Mullahs, the hardliners and the clerics. What does it mean? Like, like what, how should we be doing it? I can't stand it when we all accept these, these conversations like as, as wrote, oh, well, we all, with sanctions. What the, what the hell is a sanction? What, what does it actually actually do that's the question so we're gonna we're gonna break that down every bit of it the white house is supposed to be having uh their daily briefing we'll see what questions get asked and did you hear rashida talib the jew-hating bigot run away from a question couldn't even condemn beheading babies Uh, The Democratic Party has a problem. And I'm not quite sure how they think they're going to be able to walk away from it. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. 
just like we said, show me the vote. The reporting is accurate. Steve Scalise does win in the Republican vote the speaker position. But that's not the vote vote. He won the secret ballot election amongst Republicans. 113 to 99. Gates announcing uh, this uh, through uh, Twitter X, uh, through somebody else, that he is going to support Steve Scalise on the floor, calls him an upgrade over McCarthy in every way. Lauren Boebert has stated she's going to vote for Jim Jordan. So Boebert votes to keep McCarthy and now will vote for Jordan over Scalise. Where is my bourbon? Ah. Oh, sorry. Is that is that not official commentary? I thought I thought that was official official commentary. Holy cow, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. I asked the question earlier, does this mean Republicans are going to do this on one vote, one and done, get it done, not embarrass themselves? Ah, it looks doubtful. Looks very, very doubtful. As, as I see it, as I see it, I don't know how this isn't going to go a while. Already the, the Twitterati is super angry, very, very upset people. McCarthy's nothing, I mean, uh, Scalise is nothing more than McCarthy. We can't have this. Get rid of him. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess that's what's going to happen. They're going to let this go and go and go, and they're going to have one vote, two votes, three votes, four votes. Fifteen. Fifteen will seem like child's play. Or not. That's just it. There's no way to understand what is actually moving these people. When I watch this conversation about Speaker, you know all that talk about draining the swamp? I think they need to drain themselves. This now, the White House uh, briefing, uh, let me let me bring in uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre and, and hear what gets said. Parents doing their best to shield their babies from danger? These reports are devastating. We're hearing the reports of entire families, innocents, who were killed in the safety of their homes. We know that so far, 22 Americans lost their lives and 17 remain unaccounted for. We know that these numbers are likely to increase in the days ahead. As the president said this afternoon, This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. And so later this afternoon, the president will stop by a roundtable with Jewish community leaders, along with the second gentleman, Douglas Emhoff, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, Homeland Security Advisor Dr. Liz Sherald Randall, Domestic Policy Advisor Nair Tandon, and Steve Benjamin, Senior Advisor to the President for Public Engagement. 
This roundtable dis discussion will focus on the Biden-Harris administration's unwavering support for Israel following the Hamas terrorist attacks and the implementation of President Biden's national strategy to counter anti-Semitism, which was released in May. Today and every day, we are here to reaffirm, reaffirm the United States' will to continue to have Israel's back. And with that, Admiral John Kirby is here from the National Security Council to take any of your questions on the situation in Israel. Okay, John. So that was the statement from Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, the issue with the statement from Corinne Jean-Pierre is that you don't know what to believe from this administration because you don't know what to believe from this party. And I will get to that, but I do want to hear what John Kirby has to offer. He is um, uh, there with uh, the White House Strategic uh, Communications uh, Advisor there. Uh, let me Let me bring him on. Are, are unaccounted for missing. Twenty-two we Americans know that a a number uh, have been uh, of, said of those to be Americans killed. are being held hostage right now by Hamas. I think we all need to steel ourselves for the very distinct possibility that these numbers will will keep increasing, uh, and that we may in fact find out that uh, more Americans uh, are part of the hostage pool. Um, so, as Kareem said, our message to all these families affected is that, you know, we're, we're with you, we're grieving with you, we're sorrowful with you, we're worrying with you, uh, and we're going to do everything we can, particularly for those who don't know where a loved one is, to, 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 to find out where they are um, and to get them home with you where they belong. Um, and that includes, uh, of course, being willing to assist uh, in advice or counsel when it comes to hostage recovery efforts. Now, of course, the Israelis have a very robust hostage recovery capability of their own. Uh, sadly, they have had been forced to perfect that particular kind of capability, but we also have a lot of know-how, too, and we're, we're, uh, we're offering to share that with uh, the Israeli Defense Forces. At the same time, we're sharing additional defense-related support. I think you saw that the Israeli uh, military uh, announced today, we, we, with some imagery, uh, the first tranche of U.S. military assistance uh, arriving in Israel. Um, that will continue. Um, we also... Um, as I think the president alluded to yesterday, we're able to uh, replenish some of their Iron Dome interceptor missiles. Uh, these were missiles that we already had in stock in Israel. We simply just transferred ownership uh, over to the Israeli Defense Forces. So again, more aid, more assistance uh, will be coming in, in, uh, in coming days. Um, as you also know, the aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford and her strike group are now in the eastern Mediterranean. They arrived yesterday. They are there for deterrence purposes, to make it clear to any would-be actor, organization, group, terrorist network, nation-state, anybody who thinks that uh, with hostile intent towards Israel that this is the time to widen and expand the conflict, that, uh, that we will take our national security interests seriously. I would also note that the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower aircraft carrier and her strike group will be departing on a pre-scheduled, long-scheduled deployment. Uh, to the European Command area of responsibility. They'll start that deployment in the coming week or so. Uh, they will be going initially uh, across the Atlantic and into the Mediterranean, where they will be available if needed. Now, no decisions have been made. I've seen some press reporting out there that, uh, that we've already made some kind of final decision that a second carrier is going to be placed in the Eastern Med. Uh, no operational decisions like that have been made, but she will be heading in that direction. Her ships will be with her, and she certainly will be an available asset if needed. Um, bottom line is, as I said, 
We're sending a loud and clear message. The United States is ready to take action should any actor hostile to Israel consider trying to escalate or widen this war. And I think Jake said that pretty well uh, yesterday. Uh, we're also going to continue to talk to our Israeli partners about their needs to ensure again that they have what, what they require to defend their country and their people. Um, and that's just not going to stop. In fact, it's almost an hourly conversation that we're having with our, uh, our counterparts. Now, I know many of you have uh, been asking about or expressing some interest in the idea of safe passage in Gaza for civilians. Let me just say right up front, we're actively discussing this with our Israeli and our Egyptian counterparts. We support safe passage for civilians. The civilians are not to blame for what Hamas has done. They didn't do anything wrong, and we continue to support safe passage. I don't have an announcement to make today. I can't tell you a specific route or a corridor. I just want to make it clear that we are actively working on this with uh, our Egyptian and, uh, and our Israeli counterparts. Civilians are protected under the laws of of armed conflict, and they should be given every opportunity to avoid the fighting. Now, if I could switch to Ukraine just quickly. Um, today, the Secretary of Defense announced uh, at the Ukraine Defense Contact Group meeting over in Europe that the United States is announcing a new aid package, which includes air defense munitions, ammunition for uh, U.S.-provided artillery and HIMARS, counter uh, UAS equipment, uh, unmanned aerial systems, sorry, uh, to help Ukraine protect their people against Russian and Iranian drone strikes. Uh, we're also announcing additional anti-armor capabilities and more than 16 million rounds of small arms and ammunition. Um, as the Ukrainians continue to wage a very tough counteroffensive, and as winter now fast approaches, um, we believe it is absolutely imperative, you heard me say before, time is not our friend, that we continue to do everything we can to help Ukraine succeed on the battlefield uh, and claw back some more of their own territory from uh, Russian units on the ground there. Now, people will view the situation in Israel differently than they view the Ukrainian situation, and they are indeed different uh, situations. Uh, that there is some level of coordination with Egypt to allow uh, these people in Gaza to leave is an interesting development. The question is, will they be allowed to stay in Egypt? Will they be allowed to go back to Jordan if we want to engage ethnically where these people are from? But the real important thing that was just brought up there by John Kirby, National Security Council, their communications guy, is the idea that you would think that after all this time, we would be with the idea that our fight is not with people who are Muslim. Our fight is with radicals, in this case, Hamas, not with people who live in Gaza. But as we've seen in some of the reaction from college campuses and throughout the United States and throughout the globe, man, their problem is with the free and thinking people. Anybody doesn't think like they do. Talk of the caliphate back again. You would have thought it was 2003. They never stopped talking. These hateful people. We just stopped listening. They never stopped with their desire, with their want, and for people who are ideological, they don't care how they get there to the worldwide caliphate. They just want it. Which is why from the very beginning when I asked this conversation, hey, Tony, you're Jewish. Does this have more of an effect on you? Or Tony, I'm thinking about you. People send texts and emails, all sorts of things. Very much appreciated. Maybe I have more of an emotional attachment to Israel than some. I'm an American, but I do have an emotional attachment. But this was an attack on all of us. And this affects all of us. And the people who want to destroy me for the blood that th runs through my veins, they want to destroy you too. 
we have got more in common than we know. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Will we have a speaker? I don't know. Don't have an answer. What I have are questions. Like when Jamie Raskin, the Democrat from Maryland, makes a statement like this. You think Democrats are unified in their message that Israel has a right to defend itself. A couple of your colleagues have called for a ceasefire, called for de-escalation, referred to Israel as an apartheid state. Do you think Democrats are unified in their support for Israel? Yeah, we're absolutely unified behind Israel's right to exist and Israel's right to uh, defend itself. And we'll be standing strong with Israel. What do you make of the comments from your colleagues that, that sort of indicate otherwise? Well, I just I haven't seen any of those. Um, and um, uh, the, all that I've heard um, is uh, a very powerful consensus that we need to stand by Israel as it defends itself. So, wait, uh, the, the question is, did you not see what, what Rashida Tlaib said? Did you not see what Ilhan Omar said? Did you not see what Andre Carson of Indianapolis said? How uh, they talk about Israel as an apartheid state, about how they blame Israel for what has happened? You, you, did you did you not notice that? You haven't seen any of those comments? Unified behind Israel's right to exist and Israel's right to defend itself? No, you're not. No, you're not. You liar. That's filthy, Jamie Raskin. That is filthy. Shame on you. Your party is not together at all on this subject. Your party is fractured because you, Jamie Raskin, still think of yourself as a Democrat and you don't understand that the progressive doesn't care about you. You think they... Oh, God, I was going to say it in such a way as to get me fired. But I so desperately want to say it this way. I'm trying to think if there's another way to say it. What is it about liberal Jews that makes them think that somehow they will be immune to the attack? This goes along the line of a question I get asked more than any other. Why are Jews liberals? What is it about liberalism that people think somehow has a connection with Judaism? Allow me, there isn't one. Because to the extent that liberals are Jews, you would have to accept the idea that they have given up the Judaism. Where do you think the idea of secularism comes from? Secular Christians don't exist. Secular Muslims, I guess you could find an outlier. Secular Jews, proudly. You mean, you don't want to do any of the work, but you like corned beef. That's a secular Jew, guys. I have run to these people my whole life. Secular Jews, they don't want to cause a problem, but for the high holidays, they really like wearing a nice hat. Oh, it's CNBC at the synagogue for the high holiday. Oh, so this is what the place looks like. You know, I wonder why I, I pay all, all that money each year. Huh. I should show up more often. 
See you next year. Oh, we were here for an hour and a half. We are so hungry. I normally at this time say like six people got that joke. No, 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 no. It's not a joke. It is horrifying. And it is horrifying to see people like Jamie Raskin not understand that the progressives that he, like the college campuses, have incubated, they're the ones saying, oh, a thousand dead Jews? Not a bad start. That isn't what Rashida Tlaib is saying when she blames Israel. That isn't what Ilhan Omar is saying when she says Israel's guilty of war crimes. That isn't what Congressman Andre Carson of Indianapolis is saying when he won't mention Hamas in his statement, but rather talks about the two-tiered justice. If you can't call out Hamas... What are you? And when Jamie Raskin wants to pretend that his Democratic colleagues aren't fine with the murder, he's saying, look, we've got a real fracture in this party. We're lousy with Jew haters, and I don't know how to handle that. But as long as we beat the Republicans, that's all that matters. What's it like to live in that level of denial? Representative Raskin, you know what? Don't tell me. I don't ever want to go to that place. This is Tony Katz today.